So, do you care about the royal baby? Um, a little bit. Do you care about his name? Is it Archie? Is that what I read? It's Archie. Okay. It, it's Archie. Bunker? <laughs> Archie Bunker, Mountbatten, Windsor? Yes. Archie Harrison, Mountbatten, Windsor. Here is my thing. I think Archie's perfectly fine. Sure. I'm intrigued. I, I think it's a nickname. No, sir. I, I, I mean, I think it should be a nickname <laughs> yes. for a for an actual name. Yes, but it's not. Right. Which I find to be really interesting, but it's the 18th most popular name in Great Britain. Interesting. Okay. Um, But here is my problem with it, and I've already made this clear. That's a bold move. Yeah. For the son of a redheaded man. And I don't know how genes work, mm. but if that child has red hair and his name is Archie, she's an American. There is no reason she should not be familiar with the Archie comic strip. Mm. I just don't understand why you're doing that. Yeah, and especially with the popularity of Riverdale. Yes, which has made Archie now reimagined in our right. minds. And, and solidified him in the mainstream. Although, I only saw season one of Riverdale. I don't understand that they... Just hire an actor with red with hair. With red hair? Because that dye yeah, job is it's bad. bad. It's and also troubling. Just, and I'm not super familiar with the source material. And I think it is soapy. Yeah. Um, but also... Riverdale's real soapy. Riverdale is like way more than I ever thought it was going to be. We binged season one, which now, like me and Jordan. There was like a fight club recently or something. Which maybe Jordan and I, we've been thinking about like last year we binged Dawson's Creek. Uh-huh. And so we're like, what is the equivalent of that? In 2019? Well, no, mm. just that we could binge this summer. Gotcha. And Jordan had never seen it. He is trying to convince me that Smallville is it. I am really struggling to be interested in that. Smallville, I think, could be an interesting middle ground because it absolutely has those Dawson Creek elements. Yeah. But then it's also 20 minutes of the episode is like Monster of the Week, Superman fighting, yeah. fighting some bad guy. Yeah, Jordan loved that show. I've also I think it's thought, all right. I haven't seen all of it. I've thought about Veronica Mars because I just saw that became available. And the movie is on HBO. Yeah. Um, and I never got to see it because that was definitely after my time. You would love Veronica Mars. So I'm trying to decide though. Like, is that the show I watch by myself? Or, like, I've been watching Crazy Ex-Girlfriend by myself. Mm -hmm. Or what can I watch with Jordan? So I've thought about maybe it's time to go back to Riverdale. Right. I mean, we'll binge it and be done. Dawson's right. Creek had like several seasons. Let's see. We were watching the new season of Sabrina. Okay, I couldn't get into it. It it's, was too devilly for me. Yeah, and I and I like the deviliness. Um, but season two is just so poorly written. They rushed it. They I feel really like. rushed it, and I think it shows. Okay, because like, the Sabrina just came out, right? Six months ago, yeah. it came out in October. Yeah. Um, and now season two is out already, and I think it really shows. Oh, that's a bummer. Like, the plot lines. I love that girl. Don't make any sense. Kieran Chip goes great. Yeah. Um, the whole cast is great. They yeah. act. They act super well through some bad, bad, bad writing. Oh, that's a bummer. Um, and I, I'm really disappointed by that. Um, so I think we've got two episodes left because we like hardly even have the will to finish. Yeah. We did the same thing with Handmaid's Tale last season. Season two. Yeah. We watched it, but we're struggling to decide if season three is going to be one we continue to try. Right. We finished it, but we I think I won't spoil anything, but like the last episode of season two, Jordan and I looked at each other like the final scene and we were like what like why did they do that mm. like it totally did not make sense for the character and they're doing it to prolong the life of the show right. which um, really only ever should have been one season yes um so we'll see i'm looking forward to big little lies season two. Oh yeah but that doesn't fill my husband and wife viewing right. 
Because Jordan, I through no fault of his own, I just watched Big Little Lies all by myself. Um, I think he would probably. I think it would be, be worth fine. rewatching season one. I think it would be worth rewatching season one. It's another show I'm hoping is worth. I'm wondering if they should have kept it to one season. Yeah, I'm very curious. I have some hope because they brought Liam Moriarty on yeah. to to write the new season. Yeah, or at least the plot of it. Um, we'll see. But we'll see. That's something I'm really looking forward to, though. Yeah, if anybody has any bingeable, soapy recommendations. Yeah. I'm, I'm, because the summer, as we've mentioned every possible moment on this podcast, the summer is miserably hot here, yeah. and I really think it affects my brain cells. Yeah. And I just need something mindless with the air conditioning bumped down that Jordan and I can watch together, like Dawson's Creek, and maybe not even as long as Dawson's Creek. There right. were a lot of seasons. A lot of seasons. Um... Yeah, I mean, and the two that come to mind for me, which are like that, but like half a step above because yeah. they're pretending to be smart, yeah. are Downton Abbey. Yes. And Mad Men. And Downton Abbey. And I think Mad Men is sincerely smart yeah. in a way that Downton Abbey pretends to be. I and see. But they're both great soap operas. I was about to say we love Downton. We've already done all those, but we could rewatch in preparation for like the movie or something. Oh yeah, that's I forgot out. about the movie yeah. coming out. And Mad Men, I tried. I watched all of season one. Maybe it's another one. We've also talked about Frasier. Oh, Frasier's wonderful. Yeah, we try, we did season one of Frasier. I started watching the original run of Power Rangers recently <laughs> nice. as something completely mindless to have on in the background while yeah. I do things. It's really fun. <laughs> My brother loved that It's show. terrible, yeah. but in a great way. Yeah. Uh, right. So I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I, um, I do highly recommend Frasier, though. Okay. Episode 224 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. By the time you're listening to this, with any luck, I will be Dr. Chris Jensen. And Um, that's what I have to say about that. (laughs) My name is Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. Looks like we made it. Looks like... Wait, we always say that at reading recap time. Yeah. But you confused me. I was like, oh no. <laughs> I am not prepared for this episode. But I was just talking about... You made it. My degree looks like I made looks it. Looks like you made it. Mm-hmm. You're walking, right? Yeah, in August. Okay. So your parents will come. Yeah. How exciting for mm-hmm. you. I don't envy you wearing all those robes in August. Mm-mm. Um, but congratulations, in advance. Thanks. I'll, um, I'm, I'm really uh, projecting five days into the future here, but uh, yeah, my defense is Monday the 20th at 10 a.m., and I don't think I have reason to be afraid, so nah. here we are. You got this. Um, so I was scrolling through my Twitter feed, as uh-huh. you do, and came across this article that was uh, like an opinion piece. It was in the New York Times, I think, the very beginning of May. And it was all about advocating for the binge read. Yeah. And kind of suggesting that instead of doing what we literally just talked about in uh-huh. our intro, which I did not intentionally do. Oh, I thought we were doing it on purpose. <laughs> we're so good. Um, instead of binging, I think his example is white collar, uh-huh. plug in suits or SVU mm-hmm. or any number of shows. He is suggesting, and he's an author, so he's biased, but he's advocating. Let's try binge reading. Yeah. Because what often happens, and I have talked about this many times, and I'm okay with this, but my reading life often means a chapter or two before bed every night. Yeah. And occasionally, I will binge a book, or I'll sit on my front porch for two hours until I am done. Uh-huh. 
I don't always have two hours. So often how I read is a couple of chapters before yeah. bed. He is suggesting, backed by some research and anecdotal evidence, that perhaps another alternative or another option would be, no, you just sit down and you read a whole book. You go straight through. And I like this idea because some some people might have more time on their hands. Right. I don't know who that might be, but maybe you're going on vacation. Maybe you're home with your children and they're in the backyard and so you get some time. I don't know how family works, parenting works, um, but maybe there is some more time for you to binge a book. So we we're going to talk about that. Yeah. And what a bingeable book really is. Yeah. And I've definitely binged books before. Yes. I've binged the Harry Potter series yes. multiple times. I've binged Lord, the Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are also just some short kind of classic novels that I think are easy to do in one sitting. And that's kind of where I was going toward because... If you have binged Harry and Lord of the Rings, my bingeable books often fall into one of two categories. They're either thriller suspense novels, uh-huh. like the Riley Sager right. um, novel, um, or they are young adult romance novels. Totally. That's what I binge, and it's often what my palate cleanser reads are. But I thought instead we could gear our conversation toward, because even he gears his article toward short books. Yeah. Uh, novellas or short stories mm-hmm. or whatever. And we've tried to convince people to read short stories and I think we've done a pretty good job. I think we, we, we've done our best. Yeah, but I thought, what are some actual just like thin books you can binge? And I think some classics do fall in that category yeah. for sure. So the one that immediately jumped to mind for me was We Have Always Lived in the Castle by Shirley Jackson. Yes. Um, I recently got Kelsey to start this, but it was right when I went out of town, so I don't know if she, like, (laughs) binged and finished it. But, like, she might have. I haven't checked back. Um, I read this in two sittings. Uh Um, It was half, and then I went to sleep, and then I read the other half as soon as I woke up. Yeah. Um, I think it's an utterly compelling story that is bound by a central mystery that's, like, hinted at, hinted at, hinted at, hinted at, and then finally you get the revelation when it's devastating. Yeah. Um, Just about these two weirdo sisters that live in this kind of condemned house. Really, really good. I've never read Shirley Jackson, but I'm intrigued. That would be a good starter, I think. Um, Haunting of Hill House is also great, but not not yes. bingeable. So I immediately, in, in terms of classics, thought of two. One we have already talked about a couple of times. We talked about it last week briefly, and we've done a backlist book club about it. But if Beale Street could talk. Uh-huh. The reason I wanted to mention it, not only because it's literally thin, yeah. um, but because as we talked about on Backlist Book Club, there are no chapter breaks. Right. And that and, drives that me nuts, but going, it yeah. certainly encourages you to keep going. Um, so if you are looking for a bingeable classic, yeah. that certainly fits the bill. It's very structure is set up to make you want to binge it. Right. And then the other one, we talked about Steinbeck last week mm-hmm. in our classics episode. I love The Pearl. It's super and short. And it's so short and it really reads like a novella. Like yeah. you're done with it in the blink of an eye but again kind of packs a punch you're left thinking about it um so if you're wanting to try a classic over the summer that is you would be done with it in like a day or two two other classics that then came to mind are the old man in the sea oh yeah really little it's like 100 pages and not boring guys no not very good it's i'll be very honest not for me hemingway's not for me i I don't understand his pro style it it just does not work for me i like hemingway but a lot of people do kelsey loves hemingway so like there's no shade there but uh the great gatsby is also very bingeable yeah it's readable in a sitting a kind of long sitting but it is very readable in a sitting and i think weirdly lends itself to that and then you could watch you could rent the movie then you can rent the movie 
do people rent movies anymore? I don't know. Um, Redbox exists. Yeah, if we use Redbox on occasion. I've never used it, but I want to. Oh, we've done it. We think it's fun, like date night activity, because uh-huh. it's like. I mean, it's not as fun as going to Blockbuster, right. but you feel Ugh, like I miss Blockbuster. It. We used to, Thomasville had a video warehouse until last That's right. year, and we were bummed when it closed because it was so nostalgic feeling yeah. to go and kind of browse. Um, part of the reason the timing of this episode was interesting is because right when the article came out, shortly thereafter, I got super excited because I saw Nick Hornby had a new mm, book mm-hmm. coming out, and then lo and behold, it was really truly a novella. Like, I think a hundred ish pages like maybe 120 pages um called state of the union yeah and it is really almost entirely dialogue between these two couple uh, these two people in a couple they are married and it is their conversations each week before therapy so it covers if i recall it's like eight to ten chapters because it's eight to ten counseling sessions Mm -hmm. and you're just getting you don't get anything else except their conversation right before therapy okay and i loved that i thought that was inventive and interesting it is a show uh that stars the real cute guy i think he's cute from um bridesmaids and i think maybe um Oh, I don't want to say it, but I feel like Rosamund Pike. It's somebody famous. Oh, yeah. It's Rosamund Pike. It is, Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So anyway, they, I have No, not, I've been talking about wanting to watch this. Where can I watch it? I think it's on Stars. Sundance. Sundance. It's on okay. on Sundance, so I don't know where I oh, can Oh, I have no idea that. where to watch it. Hmm. Um, but the reason I say that is because while I was reading, I really did like it, but the whole time I kept thinking, this should just be a show because it's just dialogue. Lo and behold. And lo and behold, it is a show. Um, and Nick Hornby is a really good screenwriter. Absolutely. So that's why I was like, why is this even a book? This should just have been a it's TV show. like High Fidelity. Like, yeah. And it gets it's a book, but the movie's also really good. Yes. So you might not need to read this one, but if you are looking, and I think some, um, I don't know if Ann Bogle or somebody else on their like reading challenge you know how people do mm-hmm. reading challenges put like a book a short book or a book that's less than 150 pages well here you Here's go one. um state of the union really liked it just easily translates and probably best as a tv show because it's so dialogue heavy um totally different but one that we i know both of us really liked was the end we start from yes which was so quick oh and so good and so good but not dialogue heavy it's no. almost it is lyric. It's almost poetry. Yeah. Um, it's narrative poetry that like is broken up on the page in, in an unconventional way. Um, but in a way that just encourages you to keep going. The plot is very engaging. If you don't want to read Stations 11, all, Station 11, although how dare you? How dare you? Um, but if you don't want to read that, you think it's overhyped, you're tired of talking about it, whatever, that's fine. Read the end we start from. Yeah. Um, similar themes. I mean, it's not entirely, they're not the same story, but you're going to get some of that. It's most similar to children of men. Mm. Um, and I don't remember who wrote the novel. I've never, um, but the book was, or the film was directed by Alfonso Cuaron. Oh yeah. Um, who has done lots of wonderful work um, and stars many wonderful actors. And so highly recommend that. I think it was an Oscar winner, but if you want kind of that plot in short form, Check out the end we start from. It's beautiful. Powerful um, parenting story, too. Absolutely. Um, I loved Waiting for Eden. That mm. reminded me. End we start from very much... They're totally different books. Yeah. But Waiting for Eden is one of those books that I hesitated to send out as a shelf subscription. Right. Because sometimes... And I... 
by the way, I don't think this is true, but we're also looking at monetary value. Right. Short books are cheaper. Yeah. And so we obviously want to give you the bang for your buck in terms of your shelf subscriptions. Um, but Waiting for Eden was truly the best book I had read that month, so I sent it out and just, fingers crossed, was hoping people yeah. would be nice about it. Um, it is so good and so outside my typical genre. It's a look at a man who is basically trapped in his body after being injured in the war in Afghanistan, uh -huh. I believe. Um, it is so powerful. And what is so impressive to me about the end we start from Waiting for Eden, even to some extent Fire Sermon by Jamie Quattro, is what they're able to accomplish in such a short period right. of time. This economy of prose. Yes. And State of the Union, I loved. But it's dialogue. I feel like, I don't know, for me, the level of difficulty is a little bit harder for sure. waiting for Eden or an end we start from. And maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe I'm being biased, but I just loved waiting for Eden. It didn't need to be a single page longer than it was. It was just right. And so good. So, I mean, it's heavy, but it's good. Um, so that's another one I thought of. Um, I also wanted to recommend my name is Lucy Barton Yeah. because Elizabeth Strott has a new, wait a minute. Nope. Rewind. We can still recommend My Name is Lucy Barton. But I got super excited because I was going through the fall catalog. And she's got a new book about Olive Kittredge coming uh -huh. out. So I was, sorry guys, mentally confused. But My Name is Lucy Barton. I actually preferred to Olive, right. Olive Kittredge. Um, I know Lucy Barton is not for everyone because it is one of those books where I think a lot of readers feel like nothing happens. Right. And that's true. Yeah. It is a mother-daughter story. Um, the mother is in the hospital and the daughter is taking care of her. But I loved it um again not super long so that's what's so great too right and i think that's one of the um the points the guy who wrote the editorial for the new york Times is trying to make you don't feel like you're investing i think sometimes especially maybe me or you who's trying to read so much so often i can read 100 pages and it feels like oh my gosh mm -hmm. if i give up this book now I will have wasted right. 100 pages worth of time. But for a novella, mm. you're really not wasting very much time. Like it, it's just, a, it's, you know, 100 or so pages and often it's going to be worth it. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how I feel about My Name is Lucy Barton. Sure, there's not some climactic moment, but you barely need one in a book that's just 100 or 150 pages. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, one that was recommended and you could then just like Gatsby turn around and watch the movie. Mm. I have never read it, but I am tempted because we have customers who adore this book. Is Our Souls at Night? Oh, Camp they Bear. can. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody rave. Have you read it? No. Okay. I remember when it came out. So many customers. It was right when it started working here. Yes. It's been out for a few years. So many customers love that book and swear by it. And it's just, just one that I almost felt like, as I do sometimes, enough customers have read it where I right. didn't really need to yeah. sell it. Um, but I'm intrigued. And it is super thin. Like, you could pick yeah. that up and yeah, put yeah. it down it's little. in no time at all. Um, what about We Should All Be Feminists? Oh, I loved that. Yeah. Definitely... I, I know mm -hmm. I know a lot of people who have gone to a big box, big box bookstore and just read it in a sitting because you can read it in 20 minutes. But don't you want it on your shelf? Oh, I do. <laughs> and I have it on my shelf. Yeah. I did not do this personally. <laughs> but I know people who have done that. Yeah. Um, Which, you know what? If you can't afford it, go right do ahead. Do it. It's worth reading. Yeah. Um, it breaks down what this word means um, and what it has meant and what it means now. Um very good book. I think the follow-up to Dear E.J. Wele, yes. they're both tiny little books Yes. Um, that are 
easy to breeze through, but, but pack a punch. Yeah. They're nonfiction. Yes. Um, and her nonfiction, you might, so to contrast that with her fiction, Americana to me, I loved it, but it took me a minute to mm. get into it. Cause it's, it's thick. Like I felt like, um, I felt invested and really liked it. But if you want to get the rhythm of her words and maybe the nonfiction version of right. what she's trying, the points she's trying to make, you could pick those two books up and easily finish them. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to talk about Department of Speculation, yeah. which is one I read a few years ago, and I feel like when it came out, it got a lot of hype and a lot of people talking about it, but it's one of those backlist titles that mm-hmm. we haven't maybe revisited. Yeah. It's weird. Like, it's odd. Um, but I like the occasional odd title, and it, like Beale Street Can Talk, lends itself to binging. Mm-hmm. The chapters, as I recall, are super short, and the prose doesn't even, I don't even know how to say it, but it doesn't take up a ton of space on a page. Right. There's a lot of margin. Yeah. And there's a lot of one line, as I recall, um, some heavy dialogue. But it is just the weirdest, quirkiest little book. I think I read it on the recommendation of Shauna Nequist. Um, she read it one summer, and so I was like, sure, that sounds good. Great airplane book. That's uh, a good time go. to binge, guys. Like, Absolutely. I, I have weirdly three flights coming up this summer. This never happens. Um, and I am already trying to think, okay, what can I take on the plane? Uh, and what can I read? Like basically a book on the way there and a book on the way back. I ended up watching the terrible new Robin Hood movie oh. on my way back from Kalamazoo. Yeah. Woof. Yeah. Jordan so badly wanted to see that and then it came out and we both were like, no, we don't. And I didn't want to see it ever, but it was available on the plane. It was exactly the length of the flight. And I yeah. thought, you know, here we go. Here we go. Don't. No, not just don't. Just don't. Um, I don't know if I've ever talked about this on here, but I love Steve Martin. Like I'm a Oh, you've talked about that. I'm a big fan. Plenty. Uh but I love Shop Girl. Never saw the movie, don't know anything about it. Uh I do think Steve Martin is a writer who you would know was male because of how he writes about sexuality and sex. Uh but I still you know, I read it years ago. I don't know what I would think if I read it today. I don't know maybe the ideas I would have, but it's short, quick, bingeable. Yeah. What about stuff for like younger readers? Okay. So here's the thing. What a great time to either partner with your kids or I don't have children, but children's chapter books, you can fly through those suckers. Oh yeah. And they're good. Yeah. Like, they're often. so good. So Vanderbeekers, we have talked about multiple times. Um, the Pinderwicks, that's a series that I have not read, but because I like the Vanderbeek, the, Vanderbeekers, which the reason I like them is I love these children's books. They're old called On the Family. No, is that right? Nope. All in the Family is Archie Bunker. Yep. All of a kind. Got Archie on the brain. Yeah, got Archie on the brain. All of a kind family. Yeah. And it's about this Jewish family in New York City. I love these books. I grew up with these and the Five Little Peppers and how they grew. <laughs> Look, I, you know why? It's because my mom had a box of old books, mm-hmm. so I read all the Bobsy Twins, yeah. Dor- uh, Dorothy Parker Mysteries, Nancy Drew, Hardy Boys, Five Little Peppers, and All the Kind Family. These are great, though. They like Don't let the fact that they were written in the 60s deter you. They are still lovely and worth reading. Um, similarly, really like just finished. We're going to talk about it in our May reading recap, but I just finished the war that saved my life. Mm. I know 
that listeners are like, duh, Annie, we were talking about that years ago. I know, but it missed me. Yeah. Like it was, I think it came out in 2011. That was pre-bookshelf. I know for sure children's chapter books were not on my brain. Um, it is excellent. And she, there's a follow-up um, that I think I will also be reading now. I read this one for my book club. It's outstanding. And I know it's bingeable because Jordan went to brush his teeth. And instead, like we were getting ready for bed and he went to brush his teeth. We were about to watch an episode of Cheers. And instead of picking up my phone, which almost always I would do, yeah. I read a chapter in this book instead. And Jordan was like, whoa, you must really like that book. Yes, I did. Um, <laughs> childhood favorite that I loved, Bloomability. This is about a girl who, have we talked about this no. before? Okay, it's by Sharon Creech, who's amazing. Yeah. You could read almost anything by her. Um, also underrated, Joan Bauer. Nobody ever talks about her. She's outstanding. Mm. Um, but Bloomability, I read probably really what some people would say I was too old to mm. read it. Like, I think I was slightly older than the protagonist. So I think the protagonist is like in the well, middle school, so maybe seventh or eighth grade. And I read this in. Um, 10th grade, I want to say, sure. because the main character goes to the American school in Switzerland, okay. and she is moved there kind of through no choice of hers, and and really hates it at first, and kind of learns, like, oh, to make the best of what you've been given, you kind of have to yeah. um, have a better attitude, whatever. Great little lesson. Great writing, such good writing, that I immediately found the American school in Switzerland on the internet, which this was the early days of the internet, guys. I vaguely remember this. Yeah, I sent in for some brochures to get sent to my house, trying desperately to convince my parents, who in no way, shape, or form could afford to send to the American <laughs> school in Switzerland, much less would they, um, but to beg them to send me. And when they didn't, I just told everyone at school I was going anyway, like as a prank. I remember this. Yep. Yeah, yep, the yep. nerdiest prank ever. Um, so Bloom Ability by Sharon Creech, Anything by Joan Bauer, truly. She wrote some early stuff in the 2000s that I adored. And Stargirl by Jerry Spine. Oh, Stargirl. Right? So good. Right? So good. Oh. These are totally bingeable. You yeah. would start them and not be able to yeah, yeah, yeah. And your kids would be impressed. You could read a chapter every night if you want, but I say binge away. Holes? Holes, yes. Another good one in the vein of Stargirl. Yeah. Like, totally bingeable. Yeah. And then you can watch the movie as a family. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they recently made a Stargirl movie or are making one now. Okay, that has been on the sticker on that book forever. Forever. And I have not seen one. Now, maybe I missed it. Did you see Disney is finally making an Artemis Fowl movie? Did see that. I wonder how that's They've been talking about that since the early 2000s. Yeah, so wonder when it takes that long, I'm always like, okay, how's this going to be? Yeah. Um, Wonder. Yep, Wonder. Oh, it's very binge-worthy. And I know a lot of people have already read it, but it's so good. And if you're a grown-up like me with no children who didn't read that because you felt like, why? Please trust me. Yeah, do it. You should. And I actually thought the movie was really good, too. I sobbed, 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 sobbed. That's a a tearjerker, for sure. it is. But so thoughtful and thought-provoking. Yeah, so those are some books I think you could read either together as a family or you don't have to have kids to enjoy children's lit. Um, Gretchen, no, Gretchen, that's true. Gretchen Rubin famously, um, I think she even has like a book club that she's in that just reads children's literature. Um, my book club obviously just finished a children's book. Um, but Gretchen Rubin has always famously talked about the benefits of adults reading children's lit. Um, and I know we read as adults a lot of YA. Yeah. Um, I think that's pretty popular partly because YA lit really does lean heavy sometimes into that adult content. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I feel like YA teeters the edge frequently. I like YA, um, but 
don't forget children's chapter books. There are some really good ones out there. And we've talked a lot about how short books and quote-unquote easy books are good for building reading room, reading momentum. Yes. But if you're stuck in a reading rut, maybe pick up a children's chapter book that you can do in a sitting or two, and then you will want to read a new thing. Look, and that is totally why. I don't think I could have put words to it, but that's totally why when I have finished, somebody asked me on Instagram, I loved um, Normal People by yeah. uh, Sally Rooney. And somebody said, okay, Annie, finished this, devastated. What, how on earth am I supposed to follow this up? And that's a legit question. Yeah. Um, but my answer was, you need either a thriller or you need a, a YA love story. Yeah. The reason I said that, that doesn't work for everyone, but that works for me because of the momentum it builds. Yeah. It's not just that they're bingeable. It's that you finish it and you feel like, well, hot okay, dog, what next? else can I read? Which is exactly what Netflix has trained you to do with yep. your shows. <laughs> Which is why we were talking about these bingeable books. Like it's to build momentum. Yes. You want to, if you want to keep reading, these are a great way to keep that up. Yes. To keep that spirit alive. Yeah. So just like Netflix, you know, barely asks you anymore if you want to, are you still watching? I feel like they barely do it's that. It's like five episodes in and they're like, are you still watching? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> and meanwhile, like they'll show. We just finished binging Dead to Me, mm. which is really good. Yeah, I really want to watch it's that. It's so good. Okay, you good. and Kelsey will really like it. Um, in fact, I watched it once by myself, binged it in like two days, and then made Jordan watch I it. I love with those me. actors. Um, there's oh, what is the woman's name who's from Freaks and Geeks? Linda Cardellini. Yes, I think anytime she shows up, I'm like, okay, I'm here for you. Yep. Um, but anyway, at the you know those Netflix with their own shows will only give you like one to five seconds between mm -hmm. episodes now they just kind of automatically play yeah. it that to me is what a bingeable book does and series are great for mm -hmm. that very reason but some of the adult series i think are hard to binge because they're so thick so yeah. you talked about game of thrones um off air i think about the outlander books yeah but to me those feel like a commitment yeah totally so instead try some of these shorter novels and novellas and there are some good resources online, too, mm -hmm. uh, about um, bingeable books, I'm sure. These were just what we came up with. But, yeah, binge with us. Binge away. Make your summer a binge-worthy read-fest. Mm, that's so good. Is you it? You should be in marketing. Yeah. <laughs> you should be in PR. I'm very good at it. Don't quit your day job, man. Oof. <laughs> Porch is a production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. It's produced by me, Annie Jones, and Chris Jensen, and edited by Chris Jensen. If you're interested in purchasing any of the books we've talked about on today's episode, you can do so at bookshelfthomasville.com forward slash shop. Thank you, as always, to Forlorn Strangers for the use of our theme music. It's called Bottom of the Barrel from their album Forlorn Strangers. Learn more at forlornstrangers.com or find them on social media at The Rally Club. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch on Patreon and gain access to exclusive bonus content, check us out on patreon.com slash fromthefrontporch. You can also find us at our website, fromthefrontporchpodcast.com, for web-only content and a full back catalog of our show with detailed show notes and links to further reading. This week in the bookshelf, a funny thing happened. 
It's not funny, but I thought you would want to know, and I forgot to tell you. Yeah. I was on a panel uh, webinar thing with Siba about podcasting for bookstores. Okay. And the owner of Books and Books in Miami listens to our podcast. Oh. Or at least has listened to it. I don't know if he's like a regular, but he was very complimentary. And Books and Books to me is right up there with Square Books, where it just feels like they're they're a store that has reached, I don't know, the pinnacle. Like, I feel like they're doing amazing things and, you know, they have Books and Books Miami, Books and Books Coral Gables. Like, you know, they've yeah. been able to expand their brand. Anyway, so I was very excited and I was like, oh, well, hot that dog. Is, um, my friend Kim, whom you know, um, yes. used to work at Midtown Reader, yes. now teaches in Ohio. Oh. Small town Ohio. Okay. Um, but she had a student graduating who was going to use her English degree to then work in an independent bookstore somewhere. Oh, fun. Um, I think in Kentucky. Okay. Um, cool. And so they were kind of talking about that and their experience with that and she said that she listens to this great podcast out of Thomasville, Georgia. What, what? And Kim was like, wait, is that like Annie Jones? <laughs> and this student was like, yeah, no, it's from the front porch. And Kim was like, oh, well, Chris is a good friend of mine. Oh, what a small world. <laughs> what a weird thing. So then like texted me about all this and I was like, oh man. How fun. I hate this tiny degree of celebrity that I have. <laughs> <laughs> it's sweet, I love it. I know, I absolutely love it too. Uh, thank you so much for listening for making us tiny celebrities. We will see you next week. <laughs>